Welcome to Chala Talk. I'm Jack Yanover. I'm Bobby Becker. And in the studio today, we have special guest, Aya Bajwa. Hello. So happy to be here. So excited to have you. And a very interesting looking Chala right here, almost wrapped like a little baby. Yeah, it's a, it's a mystery Chala. Is, tr- is this true? This is the mystery Chala. It's from my favorite place. I can't tell you who made it. I can't tell you where I got it. But I'm really excited to share it with you guys today. Well, I'm super excited, but before we eat it, I want to know, what's your taste in challah? Do you have any experience with challah? Um, What do you look for in a challah? So, I first had my first challah two years ago, I think. I think that's the right timeline. And it was life-changing, I'm not going to lie. I've been going to this place for those two years. It's the only challah I ever eat. I think I tried one supermarket challah one time, and it was horrible. Can't compare. Dry. It wasn't sweet. It's not made with that love. No, there was no love. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I'm a very loyal um, challah eater. This is the only challah that I will ever eat, and that's why I had to bring it here today. May I take the first bite? You may take the first bite. Wow. First impressions? Oh, my. (sighs) I'm saying this right now. Mm. This is better than Schoenfeld's mom's challah. Whoa. This is way better. <laughs> I wouldn't go there. This is Sorry. fantastic. This is Schoenfeld, but this challah, this is in another level. This is a special challah. This is fantastic. Is there butter in this? I would hope so. It's like, it's almost reaching the point where it's a liquid. Mm. No, yeah. That's what I'm saying. This is the only challah I can eat. I, Do you get this from a store? I got this. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I need to know. I'm, I'm going to be buying this every Friday. I can't believe you said, no offense to Mrs. Schoenfeld, because this is a true, authentic Schoenfeld holla. No way. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, I just picked it up. I have good news for Mrs. Schoenfeld, at least <laughs> on my end. She was denied from the Hall of Fame unjustly. By her own son. By her own son. So Disgusting. Rude. Disgusting. So rude. And I'm not going to let that happen again. I mean, this is a six out of six regardless. I'm giving this a solid six. Bobby? This is a solid six. I wish I could rate it higher. Needless to say, six out of six for me. Wait. Uh, oh, my God. Do you <laughs> feel that? The? Do you feel that? Whoa. Is that Elijah? Oh, my God. Elijah's oh. here. Elijah is here. Oh, my God. He's coming in. He's taking the hol- Well, Elijah, come on. Save some oh for my me. God. I want to take some of this home. What did we just do? Elijah. Oh, we, no. We got to tell. What are we going to do? It, do you see that on the wall? Oh, my God. Levitating. Mrs. Schoenfeld's name is being engraved into the wall. That's oh. a plaque. It's the the first entry into the Hall of Fame. I cannot believe it. This wow. is crazy. This is crazy. A perfect Oh, my entity. God. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> levitating. The holla what is the glowing. Hell? It is glowing right now. This is, it's a radioactive I think I'm holla. being converted. The, wow. I, I can't even believe that just happened. I'm still processing. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> that was I think I just became religious. <laughs> I I was an atheist and now I'm Jewish again. I believe in God. Wow. Okay. You know what I mean, after an experience like that, you know we're going to have the best episode this podcast has ever seen. I mean, Mrs. Schoenfeld deserves everything in this world. She is one of my best friends. Um we get our nails done together. Yeah. A few weeks ago I was having a bad day in the middle of school. I left and we got a massage together at the mall. I'm not even kidding. That's really? The coolest thing yeah, I've ever she heard. is my mom. So this hollow means a lot to me. And obviously, when Jordan denied her her entry into the Hall of Fame the first time, I was so enraged. 
that's when I knew I had to come on and give her a chance to redeem herself. Well, you, you pulled it off with some deception. With some deception, but... It worked. It, it worked. almost made it better. I mean, you might have just changed the trajectory of Debbie's life forever. Mrs. Schoenfeld, if you're listening, you really do deserve this. I'm so excited. We're going to have to call her after the show. I mean, I wish we could eat the rest of the challah, but unfortunately, Elijah swooped in and took it for himself. So hopefully she'll make us another... Crazy. Cra- I mean, all right. Well, Insane. we got to get into the show. And I'm excited. We got a lot of audience questions. Lucy Flanagan and Janie Mateka asked mm. us on Instagram about your travels. So I know you've been to a lot of different places. You were recently on a cool vacation. Can you tell oh, us about yes. that? Yeah. So a little bit of backstory. I am the oldest of four children. My parents, um, they met at the University of Michigan. They got married. They had me. I was born in downtown Chicago. And then my parents thought it would be fun if we went on a little adventure. So my family and I moved to Dubai, where I lived for four years. Um, After Dubai, we moved to Cairo, Egypt. Lived in two houses there. The first one had a mouse in it, and we were always trying to catch this mouse. And it was a little bit beat down, lizards on the ceiling, like scurrying across my ceiling when I was sleeping. So we moved to a nicer apartment in Cairo. Um, And then two years after that, I moved to a tiny island off the coast of Saudi Arabia called Bahrain. It is a country. It's one of the smallest countries in the world. Very boring. Um, Super boring, actually. We only lived there for one year. And then we moved to a chicken farm in western Massachusetts because that's where my dad grew up. And so we moved into his parents' home, actually. So for two years, I lived with my grandparents, and we lived on this really pretty, um, the farm that we actually, like, had the chickens and the eggs on was 10 minutes away. But my whole life was, like, farmland. I went to Smith College Campus School, which had, like, 20 kids in my grade, and it was so tiny, liberal arts. We raised salmon, released them into the river, that kind of stuff. And then every weekend, my family and I would go to our farm that we co-owned, and we would wash chicken eggs and sell them to Whole Foods, and I would package them um, and then sell them with my dad. So that is my living story. Would you say you're cultured? I don't know. Can I say that about myself? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Or we we can pronounce you officially cultured. Yeah, we can pronounce you because oh, you have had a wide range of experience. What an honor for the host of Hala Talk to call me culture. It is which was, a big deal. Which was your favorite place to live in? Definitely Cairo. Cairo is so special. I am in love with it. I want to go back right now. Um, just the people there are so passionate. Like there's such a culture of love in that area, even though they go through so much hardship with mm-hmm. their government and just any type of hardship that comes their way, they just take it in stride. So they're so affectionate. Kisses on the cheek. They love you. Um, they'll give you gifts all the time. That was the experience I had, at least. Um, and it was super fast-paced and exciting. So what do you think, like, our Western mindset of Egypt? I feel like we kind of reduce it to pyramids. Mm. And, you know, what what are the misconceptions that people around here have about Egypt? Like, what do we not see that is not on the yeah, surface? That's a good question. So, um I think we have two kind of ideas of Egypt. We have ancient Egypt, which is, like, obviously cool, but we don't 
the U.S. isn't about Native Americans, mm-hmm. you know? Right. It's exactly the same thing. Like, walk like an Egyptian, the pyramids, the <laughs> pharaohs, the hieroglyphics. That stuff is cool, and it's definitely a part of their past, but that is not the emphasis at all there. Um, when I was going to school there, I, I could see the pyramids in the background of my life almost, like, every day. I went wow. to the pyramids, like, multiple times for fun and on field trips. Um, and it's just not the emphasis. It's not what life is about, of course. Yeah, they, um, they don't believe. They're not polytheistic anymore. No. No. They're, they're not. Muslim? They're a Muslim country, Muslim majority. Well, I'll tell you something about the pyramids. Supposedly, Jewish people built those. But Whoa. I've met a lot of Jews. I don't think we could build a pyramid. I mean, they do say aliens did it, too. So, Yeah, that, that that's honestly more plausible than a bunch <laughs> of Jews building a giant pyramid. I don't think that's I guess possible. we'll never know. We'll never find out. Um, I think the second misconception about Egypt is what people know about the Arab Spring. So, oh, they have a bad government and they rebelled and then I don't know what's going on there now. And to be honest, I can't really speak much to the political side of it right now. But all I know from my experience there and the really close family friends that I have who still live there and are from there is that it's just an amazing country. I mean, obviously, it's not like a first world country yet, but they have everything that you would kind of expect. And everyone is just really, they're really proud to be Egyptian, which is great. And it's colorful, it's lively, it's passionate, and it's overall a really fun place to be. So the Middle East is like a region. We think Mm -hmm. of it as very instable. So how much of that instability were you experiencing or are you kind of sectioned off from that? So I definitely think that I was privileged in the sense that I was an expat living in these countries. So in Cairo specifically, there's this one area of Cairo called Maadi and that's where all the expats live. So all my friends were white. Some of them um, were very wealthy from Egypt, but it is kind of, it was the Winnetka of Cairo uh-huh. and I'm not going to pretend that I was like kind of living it up in the streets but um, I obviously you can't really be sheltered from what's going on in the country so I would see certain things like um, one time there were a lot of stray dogs and one time my building as a whole kind of found this one dog that we thought was really cute My family named him Buster. Other people called him whatever they wanted. But he was super cute, and we used to, like, feed him our leftovers every day. And he kind of was, like, the building dog, and we would let him in. And someone even got him vaccinated, which was a big deal. So he was almost like a real dog. Um, And then someone in the building was angry about the presence of this dog, so they poisoned him. Wow. Just one day they fed him something toxic, and he died. See, in our culture... Dogs are almost valued more than humans. Exactly. They just felt totally okay, just poisoned. They were just like, this dog's annoying. He was a stray, and why are we letting him in and out of the, like, lobby? And, yeah, so there is that kind of volatility in the Middle East. I'm not going to say that that one action is representative of an entire region, but there's that kind of idea that that could happen there, whereas in the U.S. we would never experience that. So I was exposed to a lot of small things like that. Um, And we left before any kind of political turmoil, so I can't really speak to that. But that's kind of the culture. It's like you got to be ready, you have to be prepared, and you got to learn how to brush things off. So you are one of the few Muslims at Nutrier, and I'm curious, is do you feel isolated or alienated at all? So I don't think 
that I can really, I don't know if my experience will kind of represent anyone else's because I do think that I'm unique in the sense that I'm very adaptable. So I grew up moving almost every two years like clockwork. Like I have never lived in a place long enough to remember it except for Winnetka. So in that way, Winnetka really does feel like a home to me. Um, And so I've never felt kind of out of place here. And I think that that's really privileged of me to say. Like I have friends of all different faiths and backgrounds and cultures. And I still very much connect with people who I met abroad or who I know from the Muslim community here. So I feel very whole in my identity, and I don't think that I feel alienated because I have those outlets outside of Nutria. But I do know that I'm one of the only people of my faith here, but that doesn't really affect me much. Okay, okay. I was wondering, is being Muslim more of a cultural thing, or do you, how strictly do you follow the practices? Do you pray to Mecca five times a day? I do. Oh, well, wow. okay, I will qualify. I'm trying to. So... Um, it's definitely not a cultural thing. I think that a lot of people here especially follow religion because their family does and because that's kind of what's easiest for them. And I totally respect that and I get that. And I think I've been there at certain points in my life. Um, but recently you were kind of alluding to my trip that I just took. Oh, we'd love to hear about that. Oh yeah, it was great. So recently a bunch of my family friends, both from here and kind of the ones that I was talking about who live in Cairo, they were there too. We all decided let's do a fun trip and meet up in Mecca and Medina, which are the two um, cities in Saudi Arabia that are really important historically to Muslims. So we did. We went on an organized trip during Thanksgiving break. I only missed two days of school, which I'm really proud of because it was like an 11-day trip. And we started in Medina, which is where the Prophet Muhammad's mosque is. Uh-huh. And so he's buried there too. So it's kind of like a strong place for visiting him, you know, if you want to think about it that way. And that was a really cool experience. We got to go to that mosque and it was a very peaceful vibe, I would say. A lot of the people around the mosque who work there, who were going there, very calm, relaxed. And then we took an eight-hour bus ride to go to Mecca, which you guys know is where the Kaaba is, the famous Kaaba. I was so excited to see it because, honestly, just like I think anyone would have been excited to see it, I was just so excited to see something that is so iconic. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like every year in history class, you see a picture of it. Yeah. Or every documentary you watch, it's like you see that scene of the people going around it. And just like anyone else, I was like, is this really what goes on here? So we went, and I saw it so up close that I was, like, shook. Just because it was almost like meeting a famous person. It was like, wow. Um, Is it as populated as we see in those videos, or is that just a seasonal thing? Yeah, that's a good question. So the Hajj is a seasonal thing. It happens once a year. And we, like a lot of people who just want to do the visit like we did, They go during the off-season, so it's like a super easy, not stressful, not crowded version of Hajj. But you still get to kind of, like, get a little bit of the experience. Like, you get to see it. You can walk around it if you'd like. Um, So that is what my family and our group did. What's the significance of the box? Do you know? So it was built by Abraham, Uh prophet, and in our theology, the basic story is that 
It was built by Abraham and kind of taken over by idol worshipers. Uh-huh. And so they had like statues inside of it that they were praying to. And then our prophet saw that and was like, well, I believe in one God. We shouldn't be worshiping idols. And he spread his message and then they removed the idols. So now it's like a, a pride point, if so you will. It's that's, I think that's overlap, story. right? There we, is. we don't like idols, I think. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really. Well, know. monotheistic religions don't. I no don't idols. think they do. Abraham is an Old Testament yeah, prophet. Yeah. So same Abraham we're talking about. Same Abraham. It's we believe in Abraham, Moses, Jesus, all of them. Abrahamic religion. Is, yeah. Is that same overlap with Christianity? Yes. Exactly. So, with the Muslim perspective, do you get in? Like, do you learn about all three religions? Because mm-hmm. I never really had a formal religious education. I know they're all connected somehow, but. It would be interesting just to know the overlap because we think of them as very divided. Right. But I, at least I believe there's a lot of similarities and we'd hope more common ground for all those people to bond over instead of fighting. Yeah, I think you took the words right out of my mouth because um, I also haven't had that much like Sunday school education, if you will. I went for like a year and then graduated <laughs> in sixth grade. So... Um, but I do remember learning about all the prophets that are in the Old Testament and kind of every monotheistic religious script. You learn about Adam and Eve. You learn all about the Judeo-Christian yeah, ones. Yeah, exactly. The Judeo-Christian. Um, you learn about Adam and Eve. You learn about who else? We got Abraham. We got the familiar names. The usual. And yeah. didn't he have like a unicorn? you did not have a unicorn no unicorns that would be cool though that'd be pretty cool if if there was a religion with a unicorn i think we would all convert yeah so there's a lot of muslim converts who aren't Mm -hmm. born into it i know you were at muhammad ali's funeral i I was he's an example right he converted to islam he did and you met cat stevens there he also converted he also converted to islam but first, I want to hear about Muhammad Ali's funeral, because that sounds awesome. Yeah, that was like the coolest day of my life. So honestly, I'm not even sure why I was there. But my dad somehow, some way knows people that knew him. And they invited us to the VIP section of his funeral in Louisville, Kentucky. Wow. And we were like, cool, okay, why not? He's he's a cool guy. Um and two rows in front of me, you know, it wasn't really a sad event because he was such a celebrated figure. Um, and I think people had known that he was going to pass away for a while. He was old. He had Parkinson's. Um, but I was sitting there waiting for the service to start. And I see the back of David Beckham's head, <laughs> who at the time I thought was a very handsome man. So I walked up to him and I was like, hello, David Beckham. Can I take a picture with you? And he said yes, and he smelled very nice. He was a little bit more wrinkly in person than I kind of thought he would be. Because, you know, you always see, like, the airbrushed version. Right, in the commercials. Right. So he didn't look like that, to my (laughs) disappointment. Um, But that was really cool. I also met Bill Clinton. um, And there was, like, a Barack Obama representative, and he was still president at the time, which was cool. Um, Who else? Will Smith. Wow. The disgraced Matt Lauer was there. I didn't Not shake his hand. Good. So You don't know where those hands have been. <laughs> I don't. I'm proud. Did you um, sense even back then? <laughs> I think I did. I think I had the foresight. 
Um, and then there were like so many football players, basketball players. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there. I don't really know much about the football players, but I'm sure if my dad were here, he would list off some names and you guys would think it was cool. Because he's like the universal sports here. He's also the first sport, like major athlete to really speak up politically. Yeah. So I remember watching something with like LeBron James talking about that inspiration. He really, you know, boxing is not really a relevant sport today, but he still is extremely relevant throughout all the sports. Yeah, you could say his name to anyone. They all know him. So I think to be at such an iconic kind of place of all these people whose lives he had touched was like such a surreal moment. And now a few years later, I've only grown to appreciate that experience more. Definitely. definitely. And Muhammad Ali, love the guy. Mm. I think he's an overrated poet. What he's is a, the biggest he's fan a of his poet. poetry? Yeah. Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He made that. Come on. You heard that? That's classic, though. That, that's a good one. But, like, I think one of his poems is me, <laughs> we. That's all. <laughs> hey, it's artistic. He's experimenting with new, you know, yeah. minimalism. He's a legend. So back to the recent trip you had. Mm. Um, You mentioned you got lost in the... I did get lost in the kava. Okay. Not in the box, but... Yeah, that'd the- be problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would have made it out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I was walking with my sister and our friend and we were looking for someone. We were sent on this mission. And were you in were you veiled? Was I in a hijab? Yes. I was out of respect for the religious site. I wore one. Um, and so my sister and I are walking with our friend who is the one who lives in Egypt and We were sent on a mission by one of the adults in our group, like, go find this person, okay? So we're like, well, how do we find someone in one of the most crowded places in the world? Sure, we'll do it. Also, none of us have cell service. So we walked around the Kaaba four times. Little, We didn't, like, plan to. We didn't plan to make this huge circle around it, but we were just looking for this man. All we knew was that he was wearing something blue, So I was like, how do you find someone in a sea of people like this? We walked around for an hour and a half. We could not find him. And we go back to where, like, the group had been. They're all gone. So we're like, where do we go? So we leave and walk across the street to our hotel. And we get to the hotel, and we're, like, we're finally on Wi-Fi. And we're texting everyone, like, we can't find this guy. Like, where is everyone? And they're like, oh, we found him, like, two minutes after you guys left. You don't understand. It's like 85 degrees there, even at night. We were sweating, so tired, so confused. No one, like, I mean, I don't really speak Arabic that well, so I can't ask, like, anyone for directions. It just was like, I haven't been lost in so long. I'm 18 years old. When do you get lost? You know what I mean? Yeah, and you, you always have a phone to yeah. redirect you, but you didn't have any But I was service. lost at the Kaaba without cell service, without any knowledge of how to get that's back. I'm just imagining like a wave of people and then you, like the one person going oh, the opposite that's direction. that's perfect. Were you there? Like, I swear to God, that's what happened. Is that happened. really what it looked like? Yeah, everyone is walking in one direction and it's not like rude to walk in the opposite direction, but it's kind of like weird. Like, what are you doing? And I'm just completely going against the grain the whole time. And I'm like weaving in and out of all these sweaty people. And they're all like super focused, having this like religious moment. And I'm just like, y'all seen this man? Like, (laughs) so it wasn't a good time. It's like finding Nemo in real life. Exactly. Question, if you're you're all veiled, Mm. can you like tell the difference between you and the other girls? Like, 
ever like just get lost yeah, in the sea you can. It seems difficult i mean from afar no but obviously when you look at someone's face but the one thing that i did notice like a lot of groups will take people to these like religious sites like they'll go on trips and um i saw a lot of groups that would do like hot pinky jobs mm. like they'll all just wear hot pink from head to toe and even the men will have like hot pink hats on so they can all find each other, and I kind of wish that my group did that. That's <laughs> iconic. So I know we were talking before the show, and you said that you're related to some Syrian refugees. I and am. there's a very interesting story there, so I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So um, another part of my trip was we went to Istanbul, Turkey, because how could you not when you're in the area? And my mom, a little bit of background on her, she is Syrian. So my grandparents on my mom's side moved here um, to Michigan, and they are from Syria originally. My dad's side, they're from Pakistan. So um, in the past, what has it been, like six, seven, eight years maybe, um, of the conflict in Syria, we've been dealing with a lot of that because my mom still has family overseas. So my mom has had some cousins who have passed away in the conflict over there and it's been really hard but she does have also cousins who are now refugees living in Turkey which is kind of where a lot of the refugees have been so it's not like an uncommon narrative so when we were in Istanbul we decided to visit them and I had kind of no idea what to expect like I had met Syrian refugees I actually have worked with some in the Chicago area but never ones that are like my family and that was I don't think I've really met these people more than two or three times in my life but it was a really really like interesting experience and I'm still kind of thinking about it it was only last week but um we went to their coffee shop that they have and it's actually doing really well and it was so cool to see and it was super modern and it fit in with all the other shops in Istanbul and I remember thinking before we went up to their house, like, okay, they're actually doing well. Like, this isn't that bad. And my mom's cousin was like, come on, I'm going to show you the house. It's super cool. I feel like I'm living in a castle. And we get up to this apartment, and it was so small. Like, all the kids sleep in one bed. The parents share another bed with one of the kids, actually. And the bathroom, you can only fit one or two people in it. The kitchen, you can only fit three people in it. The countertop is, like, as big as a desk that we have here at school. And everything was just super tight, super small, super cramped. And it was just so, like, interesting. I don't even know if that's the right word. It was so humbling to see those people call that a castle. And they were smiling about it, and they were so proud to show us what they had done with their lives um, they've been in Turkey for five years, and they've obviously gone through things that we can't even imagine. The dad had a really bad time in Syria. He was abused by the government there. And so, yeah, that was something that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to forget. And I can talk about it now like it's an interesting story, but I think for a very long time I'm going to sit with that. And just to know that some of your family is so like strong and has gone through so much when I'm living such a privileged life is a lot. It makes me feel almost guilty. Well, the real yeah, tragic I mean, thing about it is, you know, it seems almost like America has kind of failed to learn from our, some of our mm. history. And when Jewish families were coming over, like my family and Bobby's family and really any Jewish kid in New Trier, right. it was, you know, between 1890 and like 1930. And if you didn't get out in that window, 
it was basically impossible because, you know, there was persecution in Europe through all that time, but then that's when things started to really heat up. And with America having all that knowledge and all the other countries around mm. the world too of what was going to happen in the Holocaust, people often wonder, why didn't the Jews just leave? And it's because it, it wasn't that's that simple. That's such a difficult question, yeah. And they couldn't leave. And we actually, Bobby and I talked to a guy who got out of Germany. Oh, no he way. He lived through Kristallnacht. So his oh, dad's wow. business was yeah. shattered. And he was in, like, the upstairs compartment. And they tried to get out. They got out at the last second. Yeah. And America basically like, took, like, a thousand families. And we see the same thing sort of with the Syrian refugees these are people that need help yeah. that we can take in. We have the room and we're going to come to America and they just want to work hard and yeah. and they deserve a place to live. And it's kind of upsetting that we haven't given them that opportunity for safety because a lot of America's history is built off, you know, we bring in these people who need help and it doesn't hurt the country or weigh right. us it down. It says it on the Statue of Liberty, doesn't it? Give us your tempest tossed i think is the is the verbiage so we were talking before the show and you were telling me you have some beef with a librarian i do and librarians all they ever tell you to do is shut up so i i'm curious what what possibly has gotten between you two yeah funny enough um i was being perfectly quiet that's not even what the story is about so if you don't frequent the winnetka public library like i do you might not know that they have these study rooms. So there's study room A, B, and C. And you can book them online or you can call ahead and book them. Or you can walk up to the front desk and ask for them. Um, and you get them for two hours. If you have a library card, it's super chill. It's super simple. They're quiet. They're nice. Whatever. So I'm in one of these rooms studying for a test on a, let's say, Tuesday night. It's such an average night. And... My room rental ended at 7 o'clock p.m., so I had it from 5 to 7, and at 7.10, I look at my clock. No one's coming, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay here for a few more minutes. I'm in the zone. I'm not going to move all my stuff if I don't have to, and I use these rooms a lot, and like in the past, if there's someone who has a room, they go up to the front desk and say, hi, I have this room, and then the librarian will come and say, hey, your time's up time to get out it's so normal like this should not be a big deal but I was in this room let's say it's like 7 25 it wasn't even half an hour past the time I should have been out but I'm sitting in there and I'm just like I have my airpods in whatever and she storms into this room like she does not knock no smile on her face which I'm used to and she storms in and she just goes excuse me in order to be in this room you have to have it booked and I was like, I did have it booked. And she was like, no, you didn't. And I was like, yes, I did. It ended at 7. And then she goes, it's 725. Why are you still in here? And I'm like, as she's saying this to me, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I'm packing up my stuff. This man is, like, awkwardly standing behind her. Poor guy. He probably didn't know she was going to bully me. But <laughs> he is just listening. And she's like, it's 725. You, are you going to get out? And I was like, uh, yeah, clearly I'm going to get out. I'm standing up to leave. And she was like, okay, well, next time you need to leave when your time is up. And I was like, okay. So I go upstairs. I was kind of just like rolling my eyes at this lady. Like, why was she so rude? But usually I don't really care. I was like, okay, she's having a bad day. And yeah, you, you learned how to brush yeah. things off. 
Exactly. But then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, no, you know what? I Mm. am a Karen and I'm going to stand up for myself. So (laughs) on my way out of the library, I go up to her at her desk. It's like the library is about to close. I stayed there for like two more hours. And I go up to her and I say, excuse me, ma'am. And she looks up and she's like all like shook to see me. And I'm like, I just want to say that <laughs> I like rehearse this in my head as I was on my way to her desk. You got the voices totally down. Exactly. I was like, excuse me. I just want to say that I come here all the time. I book those rooms all the time. And I did have that room booked. And she goes, no, you didn't. I'll show you right now. She starts like frantically typing in her password so she can show me the room rental. And I go, I put my hand. I was like, no, 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 you don't need to check. I did have the room booked. But I just wanted to say that the way you kicked me out was uncalled for. You were just rude for no reason. And I come here all the time. Sometimes they ask me to leave if I forget what time it is. And no one has ever been rude to me like that before. I swear to God, her whole face turned red. Her mouth dropped. Her eyes got so wide. And she just stood up a little straighter in her chair. And she goes, well, thank you for the feedback. And I go, you're welcome. Have a nice night. And I leave. But that's not not even the end of the story. So naturally, I post about this on my private story. Right. You got to keep people updated. Yeah, of course. They got to know that I conquered this woman. And so many people swiped up and they were like, was it the blonde librarian? Like the young blonde one? And I was like, yeah. And they were all like, yeah, she's so rude. And I was like, okay, good. Well, I'm glad that it wasn't only me. And then... A few days later, my friend, Cameron Campbell, if you're listening, texted me and she was like, Aya, I just asked the librarian for a room and she told me, well, now I'm afraid to ask anyone to leave the room since last time I did, some teenager yelled at me. And I So thought, you've just been haunting this librarian's Haunting memories. her for like two weeks. She can't sleep. She cannot sleep. She's probably like quaking still. And so Cameron thought that was so funny. She was like, oh, that was Aya. And then, I kid you not, two or three months after this event, um, my friend's sister, who was back from college, went to go get a room. And the the librarian used the exact same line on her. She said, well, now I'm afraid to kick someone out of this room because last time I did, a teenager yelled at me. (laughs) She's using this line like it's her pickup line. Like, she's just having too much fun with it. So I feel like I need to go back and be like, excuse me, ma'am, I've heard you've been talking about me. (laughs) So Josh Glucksman asked an interesting question on Instagram. Mm -hmm. He wants to know your thoughts on Nutrius culture during the college admission process, which is in full swing right now. I love how he asked that question. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to knock anyone's experience because I think we all come from different parental backgrounds, educational backgrounds. I mean, whatever. We all come from different places and we all have different goals. But I will say that overall, I do feel like there's way too much of an emphasis on college placement and also pre-professionalism at this school. Mm-hmm. And I Like predetermining what job yeah, you're going to have. Yeah, and also being like, well, I am going to medical school. That's it. I'm going to medical school and all I'm going to do in my undergrad is take biology and chemistry and whatever And that's cool if that's your passion. I completely have no, I try not to judge anyone. So I'm not hating on anyone. Let me make that clear. But I do think that there's really a value in just kind of not having a plan and figuring out what you like and seeing where you land. 
And so a lot of this wisdom comes from this book that I read called Excellent Sheep. And it's called Excellent Sheep, The Miseducation of America's Elite. And it's a really short read if you guys want to read it. But it's all about just how people will pay money to get into these quote-unquote good schools. And at the end of the day, what does that really get you? Like, Mm -hmm. what does that get you? It doesn't really bring you any type of fulfillment. Money isn't happiness. Um, Well, when it comes to a job like being a doctor, you need a degree in order to be. Though one thing that I read about um, was this idea that going to the best college isn't necessarily what's best for you. Right. And in the STEM fields, actually, um, they looked and the graduation rates at Harvard, Mm -hmm. top 25%, you're pretty much set. You get a STEM degree, you have a high-paying job, you can do what you love. That's great. But if you finish in the middle 50 or the bottom 25 percent, you're actually very likely to drop out. And then you you'll you know, yeah, you're at Harvard. you get caught up in that mindset of like, I'm not good. But it's like, look at where you are. Right. You're at Harvard. You've had A's probably your entire academic career. And now yeah. you're getting B's and C's. Yeah. So you drop out and try a different major. Had you gone and taken that same class at like Boston College really close by, you would have been in the top five percent probably sure. of your class gotten that degree, and then maybe excelled in the professional world. So there's almost like this illusion that the best college is the best place to be, but really it's it has to be about that fit and then succeeding. Yeah. Do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? Exactly, and that's what the book says too, is like there's no one-size-fits-all. And so I genuinely think that if you have the right mindset, you can be happy anywhere and you can succeed anywhere. Um, But I will qualify my statement. I do think it's important, like, part of me wants to be a lawyer when I grow up. I'm not sure. Maybe business, maybe law, maybe something else. But I do think going to a good grad school, like one with a name, with a reputation, with that's considered, like, top something, top 15, whatever. I think there's value in that. But um, if the question is about what the culture is in high school, looking forward to undergrad, I think it's too serious and that people need to just try their best and wherever your kind of cards fall, then that's where you're meant to be and you'll figure it out. So none of this paying to get ahead or like making yourself so anxious and so worked up about a single school that might not be the best place for you. I think think another good thing about that mindset that I've been thinking about recently is because I really want to go to film school. I've wanted to do that my entire life and- Unfortunately, I'm in this trap where USC Film School is like the only place I want to go. USC? Yeah, Southern California. Yeah. And, you know, I, you never want to have all your eggs in one basket. I've known this always. And I know I'm going to be in a tough spot when that admissions decision comes out. Yeah. But just the way that film schools are kind of oriented, that's the position I'm in. And, you know, I've thought about getting into USC or not getting into USC at the end of the day doesn't change me. And so... Not the, at all. The responsibility, like, you know, tons of kids go to USC film school. Not that many kids go on to be a Stanley Kubrick or a Steven Spielberg or right. a Joel Cohen. And if you want to be successful, you have to do it yourself. The college is just kind of like a vehicle for that. Yeah, that's a platform, but it's not the end all. So getting into college, you know, like that's the start of your journey. Because we think about, oh, when I get into college, done with high school, such a big relief. Right. But, you know, college you're still you and you gotta you gotta make yourself in that whole process so 
well, it's it's stressful, honestly. Like our our real lives are stressful, about to start. But I think that you just talked it through perfectly. Like, did you try your best? Did you write the best application you could for USC? Did you study for your test? Did you do well in school? Like, uh, I can't and do well in school. That a little the best there. that you could have. Well, you could always do better. Sure, but I think I mean I've known you for about forty five minutes now. Yeah, you seem like a genuine guy. I think that you've put in your work, and now it's not on you anymore. So if USC can't change my destiny, you cannot change what you've done. You can't change your app. So if you get in, that's great, and I hope you have the best time. If you don't get in, there are so many other paths to reach the same end goal, and that goal might even change along the way. So I'm really not too worried about so, you. See, maybe you would be a great lawyer, but maybe even a better therapist. <laughs> oh, thank you. You could do it. Maybe Yoga both. therapy, we could make like a fusion. Maybe I would win cases because I'm so soothing that I'm just like, come on. Don't <laughs> you see that this person is innocent? So you want to be that type of lawyer? I don't know. Or you could you could process. get the defendant to admit that they're in, or your own clients <laughs> to admit true. they're insane. <laughs> the insanity defense, that's it's a like clearly easy win. Ayabajwa, you've been a fantastic guest. Oh, thank Super you. Super interesting, legitimately. You've taught me a lot about the college process. You, you taught me a lot about, I mean, everything that I just didn't know about. You're one of the most, oh. I don't know how many more, like, who can be more interesting than you that we can have on this oh, show. stop, you guys. You're going to make me want to come back. You did a great job, and you also brought us the best challah I've or ever put challah anywhere thing. near my mouth. How do you guys say it? Challah? Challah, yeah. Huh. You know, put a little K-H in it. It's a, it's like C-H. a, this throaty sound. Yeah, yeah, we have that in Arabic, too. It's like challah. Yeah, because I think Arabic and Hebrew are almost rooted. Super similar. So, one one of my gripes, a lot mm. of people out there calling it chala talk. Chala and, and I understand you don't know the word. We're working on it. We got to get everyone chala, chala talk. Chala talk. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Especially the chala. You did a great job. And we'll be having more episodes coming soon. So, stay tuned. And go ahead and follow us on Instagram at chala talk. Uh, Can I plug my Instagram? Why oh, not? Absolutely. Ayabajwa, that's A-Y-A-H-B-A-J-W-A, follow me. Got to get all the cool pictures from the Mecca. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for being here. We had a great time, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you.